Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Condon. Welcome back in the 11 o'clock hour. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Still to come, give you an opportunity with some Claxons Barbecue. We're going to do a good baseball segment heading into the final weekend. Our picks as well. But as promised, we're going to start things off in his regular spot on a Friday's Bama Bob. We go around college football. Not the shiniest of slates this weekend, but there's a couple of games we'll get in. I want to also take time, guys, to, uh, since we won't have time next week, maybe to tell you to forecast the SEC, how we're going to uh, call it um, with them starting play next week. Probably won't have time, so let's see if we can squeeze that in today. The Big Ten is back, Bama. So are you. Good to speak with you, Bama. Bob, how are you? I'm good, guys. You as well, I hope. Absolutely doing just fine. Well, Bama, the uh, the Big Ten uh, did a walk back. They're going to play. Uh, the Pac-12 is following suit, as they always do. When the Big Ten makes a move, the Pac-12 <laughs> follows close behind. Uh, now we've seen uh, the MAC wants to play. Uh, Mountain West is trying to get involved. Um, later on, probably sometime in October, uh, if they can pull it off, uh, more power to them. I saw that Christine Brennan didn't think that it was the best move. I think she kind of forgot about a couple of bigger stories uh, that have happened yeah. in the history of that conference. But just real quick on the Big Ten, Bama, and I want to get to our games uh, and the SECs. We've got to move along here. Yeah, uh, listen, I-, I think that I saw Christine Brennan's article, and, and to me, you know what that sounded like? And she's a great writer, Ken. I'm not taking anything away I from agree her. With she's, her. Earned her. Yep. she's earned her chops, okay? Yep. She's not one of these you know, fly-by-night riders. It sounded like a mom worried about her kid. Yep. I mean, it really, because, I mean, you're right. She called it the darkest day in Big Ten history. I think that might have had something to do up at Penn State several years back, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I had to vote. But, listen, I, the Big Ten... She is right about a couple things. It's about money. Sure. There's no question. Yep. Um, it's about, as much as anything, it's about public opinion and perception. Hey, look, why are these schools able to and we're not? Okay? And listen, no matter how they made the decision, no matter how they arrived at it, I, I still I, I would like to think that this is driven by, you know, you know, some science and some medical opinions. And they've all said, the SEC has said, listen, if and we hope we need to hold them to it. If it happens, listen. If we have outbreaks, if this thing turns, if it goes bad, we'll pull the plug. So I I don't blame the Big Ten. I think they want a seat at the table. They want to be in the college football playoff. There's too much money at risk. Um, they can talk about kids' futures all they want in the NFL. You know, forget that. It's it's about money. It's about public perception. Um, it's about saving face when other teams are now playing and have been playing. Um, so I don't have a real problem with it as long as the, it was not totally driven by that. That report, you know, that came out about the myocarditis and everything, there's now questions about that. Yeah, it was shot down. How accurate was it? Yeah. yeah, it was. So, listen, we talked about it way early on, you know, when the, after they pulled the plug and the SEC decided to play, they're all taking a risk because if something goes horribly wrong with one or two kids, uh, you know, then – 
then I think everybody's going to shut it down, and, and, and rightfully so. And, and it's a risk, but it's a calculated one. I, I, I don't know that it's any riskier than, um, you know, getting in the car and, and these kids driving around. But I'm glad they're back. I think it's going to make, you know, as a from a pure football perspective, which is all that I'm looking at, I'm glad they're back. I'm glad they're going to play conference only. And they'll they'll have a seat at the table if uh, you know in the college football playoff. Pac-12, not so sure because I think they may be looking a little later start, but but who really knows? I'm glad they're back. Everybody else's opinion aside, I am totally with you, Bam. I think we all feel that way. Trent, opt in, opt out. We saw the opt outs. Now they want to opt back in. Rashad Bateman, Minnesota, Ohio State's got some kids. Freemuth at Penn State says he's coming back. Should they be allowed to be due even if they've signed with an agent, which is a no no? Should this be the year that the NCAA waives that? Considering they were told they're not going to play this year. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty simple. You got to let these guys play as long as they haven't taken any money from agents or if they have go through the route that the NCAA has in place to either pay that money back, whatever it may be. If they hit those parameters, absolutely they should be allowed to play. They didn't know they were going to play, and they didn't know what a season was going to look like. If there was going to be a season, I think it's a no-brainer. Let these guys play, even selfishly. Yeah, I don't want to see Bateman out there for the Gophers. Yeah, you got to let these... with Penn State. Yeah, they're on the schedule. You guys got. You have to let those guys play. I'm with you, Bama. Your wife's an attorney. You're not. Uh, but your legal opinion. Your legal opinion on this seems pretty simple, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, I'm with Trent on this. I think you listen. We've made so many exceptions already. You know, to to allow opt outs anyway. When they said, you know, hey, listen, anybody who wants out. Uh, you know, your, your eligibility is good for next year. You don't lose it. There was going to be all kinds of issues, you know, and, and I don't think that's really playing a factor, but this, I think if everybody plays this fall, Ken, it's going to save a whole lot of headaches come the spring with all the, you know, eligibility issues that were going to come and roster limits and freshmen coming in and all that kind of thing. So that's just maybe a side benefit, but yes, I think you have to let them play. If they've taken money from an agent, they need to document it, pay it back if they want to. Um, if they want back in, they got to pay the money back, um, you know, tear up the contract, whatever you're going to do. But yeah, I think they've made so many exceptions to try to allow, uh, you know, teams to play and everything else that the individuals, like you said, listen, hey, our season was canceled. I went on and, you know, you know, went ahead with my future, but now the season's back. So I want to play with my teammates and, I think a lot of it is for these pro guys. They want, you know, they, they want to show it on film. I mean, let's face it. Um, you know, not playing this year was going to hurt a lot of these pro prospects yep. because it's a guessing game. And, you know, but now they're going to have some film to go on. And yeah, I think short answer, absolutely yes. They have to let them back in as long as they go by the rules and, and, you know, the, follow the processes that are in place, which, shouldn't be that difficult to do. All right, let's take a look at a couple of marquee games. We may have to save our SEC forecast uh, for uh, for next week. Uh, uh, Trent, Houston and uh, Baylor, a game that came together very quickly, which yeah. is nice to see. You don't have to schedule 10 years out. You can actually pull this <laughs> off in a couple of weeks. Uh, th- this one early, and then obviously the uh, Miami-Louisville game late are clearly the best two, at least it looks like, the best two games of the day. you have an opinion on that one? Not really. I know Houston has dealt with a, a lot of cases of COVID and how are they going to come together. That still remains the question there. If I had to lean one way, it would be on the Baylor side, but we'll see what Dave Aranda looks like yep. at now as the head man. We know he's going to have a defense here, 
And uh, that total's pretty high. I, I might be leaning under if I had to take a look at the number on that side. But not a strong play either way. I do just think Baylor's the better side in this one. I'm anxious to watch Charlie Brewer. Of course, mm-hmm. he's had this uh, concussion history. And, boy, you got to keep, the, you have to, in the back of your mind, be thinking that this guy's only got one hit left because he has taken some shots. Bammy, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think this is might be the game of the day as well. And you're right, this, it, they just threw this together so quick and good to see, you know, a couple hundred miles apart, whatever it is. I'm, I'm with Trent. I mean, uh, if, listen, Baylor lost, what, nine starters on defense. They lost their head coach, surprisingly, to the NFL. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Maybe not surprised that he left, but the job that he got. Uh, that says big score for me for them to land Dave Aranda. Uh, their defense has been a lot better mm-hmm. the last couple of years under Matt Rule, uh, certainly more than it was under Art Bryles or anybody else. But uh, I'm leaning Baylor on this one as well. I, I just, I'm just i glad they were able to put this together. I, I ain't kidding with who canceled on who now. It's, you know, it's so <laughs> everything's so crazy. But uh, this, this is a, this, to me, this is a game that should be played. You know, they, they should be able to sign a, you know, three or four year series and get this one done because, uh, I, it just makes such natural sense. And Houston was one of those teams that when the Big 12 was expanding, like, hey, you know, what, that kind of got rejected and sort of found out, you know, a landing spot in the AAC. But so this is a big game for them. I just think Baylor too much talent. Um, and I, I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see what they look like with Aranda, uh, leading them. And as I, again, I think that was a really big score for them. I agree with you. All right. So that's the early game late, uh, 630. ABC's got it. Uh, Miami, Louisville. They're both one and oh. They've both had a tune up. Off they go into the ACC, Bama. Um, it's a tight line. I think it's two, two and a half, Trent. Is that what you saw? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Miami, Louisville, Bama, quick hit on that one. Yeah, I like Miami. I think, uh, listen, they look, they played UAB. I don't know what you're going to get really learned from it. UAB is not a bad team. I watched a decent amount of that game. Look, Miami's going to go as far as Derek King takes them. I mean, that's just how, that, that's just how their season's going to be. Louisville, not a great defense, got a little bit of a test, I believe, from Western Kentucky. They did. Last yep. Week. yep. Um, you know, they've been better. They, you know, nice turnaround, you know, from where they were two years ago to where they, Came to last year was an eight and four bowl game, uh, whatever it was. Um, I think this is a pretty tight game. There's going to be fans. I don't know how big of an influence it's going to be. I don't know how how it ever is in Miami because it's such a fickle sports town. But uh, would not surprise me to see Louisville up and win this game. But if they can somehow contain King, but I mean he's he's the best player on the field if he plays that way. If he is. He's the, he's got the most talent. He's the best player. If he plays the best, Miami wins. Trent, this will be one of my picks coming up late okay. in the show, right. and in fact, uh, might have a star next to it. Oh. One of my favorite games of the week. Interesting. Well, we'll have to stay tuned for that one. Uh, <laughs> Bama, we've got a much better slate next week. Is there one game next week in our final? We're under a minute here, boys. Is there one game that you'll pay attention to more so next week than the others? What games got your attention already, Bama? I'm going to go early, Ken, SEC, Florida at Ole Miss. Yeah, Lane Kiffin yeah. back on the sideline in the SEC against one of the heavyweights. I, I don't I don't know how competitive it will be. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do over there. This guy's, what, 45, 44, 45, whatever it is, years old. Already his fifth head coaching job, second stint in the SEC. Been at USC. Been with the Raiders. Three years at Alabama as the mm-hmm. OC. It's incredible you look at his resume. But he wins. Uh Ole Miss, I don't know how much talent they have, but I'm looking at that one early uh, just because I want to see how they stack up 
early on against uh, against one of the heavyweights out of the SEC in Florida. And by the way, I cannot wait for the Mike Leach Lane Kiffin press conference <laughs> for the Egg Bowl this year. That's by the way, going to be awesome. Trent, you have one game next week, more so. That was the game actually I had circled, yeah. and I'm really really high on this Florida team this year. That's also a reason for it. Mm-hmm. I want to see them. Uh, if you're looking for somebody yep. away from the Alabama LSU's of the world, I really like Florida coming into the season. Yeah, well, I'm going to the 2:30 window, boys. CBS or something about 2:30 in the afternoon. Mississippi State LSU. Although uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. A lot of folks mm-hmm. think Oklahoma State might be that other team in the Big Twelve. Uh, that's the 2.30 window next week. Fellas, we'll carve out some time, I promise, next week to do the SEC. Bama, we'll talk to you in a week's time. Appreciate you coming on. As always, Bama Bob, enjoy the weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. All right. Enjoy it, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Bama Bob, as we talk college football here on Miller and Condon. Uh, baseball conversation? Yes, we got Matt Snyder waiting Good in the wings. stuff. Looking forward to that. The final, well, the next to the penultimate uh, weekend of Major League Baseball, Sunday Night Baseball. Of course, Twins and Cubs. Six o'clock first pitch from Wrigley Field. ESPN has got that one. Uh, Claxton's Barbecue still to come. Uh, what A tiebreaker, by the way can start giving some thought to this in case you're one of the four contestants. LeBron's total points tonight. LeBron's Ooh. total points tonight closest without going over. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Fourteen sixty KXNO one hundred six point three FM with you until noon. About twenty minutes away from giving you an opportunity, four of you, anyways, to win some barbecue from Claxon's Picks with Trent and I coming up before we skedaddle on out of here uh, as well. Right now, we are going to talk some baseball. It is the next to last weekend of the regular season. Boy, these 60 games have flown by. Mm -hmm. Trent Condon, they've been terrific. Let's get our friend Matt Snyder in here. He joins us, CBS uh, Sports.com, as you can read. Matt, Matt, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm very good. It's uh, it's weird, isn't it? Like you know, you look at September 18th, and we know, yeah, the playoffs right around the corner. But then you think about how much baseball we've watched, and yeah. it's just like, wait a minute, we just started. <laughs> it really, it's been, it, and it's been so good, and it's been appointment television for yeah. a lot of us. And I, I think that baseball maybe has broadened their audience doing it this way. I really do. I think there's been a, a sense of urgency, perhaps, uh, for people to you know to tune in, find their team, start to you know, to know their team and where their team fits, but we'll see. Uh, so what's the biggest storyline to you, Matt Snyder, between as we head into the next to last weekend? We saw the White Sox clinch. We know what the Dodgers are doing. Biggest story to you uh, with, uh, what, 10 days or so left in the season as well? Yeah, it, it's got to be jockeying for the playoffs uh, in general, uh, specifically the way the Yankees are playing right now. Mm. Can they run down the Rays? I'm inclined to say no because I don't think there are enough games left. And they have no head-to-heads. I mean, maybe that's a good thing for the Yankees since they went 2-8 and eight against the Rays this year. But uh, when you're three and a half out, just over a week to play, you can't take care of business on your own. That's probably not in the cards there. The AL Central race is fun. Uh, the NL Central for second place yes. is incredibly fun right now. Uh, the Reds, Cardinals, and Brewers all within a game. And there's a lot of head-to-heads left in there. The Brewers have a five-game series against the Cardinals and three against the Reds. Wow. So 
that should be a lot of fun, even if it's a, a war of attrition in terms of the battle of utility, since they're all under 500 <laughs> and they've all been disappointing. But one of them is going to be the sixth seed, at least, maybe even get up into the five, depending on what, what happens with the Marlins and Phillies. And uh, I'm kind of zeroed in on the Astros, too, because uh, it looks like it's either the sixth seed or bust. The Mariners are three behind them. They've got a three-game series left, the Mariners and the Astros. Mm. I, I'm not expecting the Mariners to sweep them, but they've got a chance. When you're within the a series, and you have a head-to-head battle, you've got a shot. It's all you can ask for. And uh, this wild three-game uh, opener, the, the divisional uh, wild-card round, excuse me, as they'll be calling it, is this here to stay? I know Manfred has talked about that. Do you anticipate we're going to have 16 teams going forward, or is that still uh, a hurdle or two to get over to get to that point? It, it really sounds like that. that's what they're going to push for, and I'm so disappointed because mm-hmm. – you're, you're just I, – I was all for the seven teams because I, I, I believe I've said it on this show before. You're always going to get the owners and players on board. The players always want as many chances as possible to make the playoffs, which means as many chances as possible to win the World Series. The owners want in the playoffs because that makes them more money. Of course they're going to agree on that. But when you go to eight and you have a three-game series between eight and a one, that completely devalues the regular season. Um, you're talking about the possibility of a 105-win team in a three-game series against the 77-win team. And uh, that's just not how baseball's played. That's not how it's ever been played. It's not how it's meant to be played. And I know we have short uh, series in the postseason now, but something like the, the Nats against the Dodgers last year, uh, sometimes something like that can be fun. If it's a 78-win team against a 105-win team and it's only a three-game series, now I feel like we just wasted six months of, of a regular season, and it was just worthless. I wish they would have just stuck with the seven teams where the one seed, now you have something to play for when you're the one. Mm-hmm. You get a bye, you don't have to deal with a three-game series, and then you have your two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. I, I hope they end up doing that. I hate the idea of an eight versus a one. Completely devalues the regular season. And also, I saw his name's J.J. Cooper of Baseball America, a, a Twitter friend of mine, yesterday tweeted, we might start seeing some load management crap like the NBA. Oh, my. If you're only going to have to... If you're only going to have to get a three-game series, you're going to start saving guys. You're going to start saving starting pitchers and saving their bullets just to make sure you can win that three-gamer. That's crazy. boy. The what, incentive, what incentive yeah, has to be the one when you have a similar situation to a two or a three? Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Yeah. I never even thought of that aspect of thing. Good gambling point, too. Oh, yes, it is. If you're going to be yes. firing at one of those. Uh, well, I'm all for it. I think it's great. Um, you know, the more teams in the playoffs, we'll, we'll see how it goes this year. I think for the most part, though, let me get your take on this, Matt, because there was a lot of, ah, I'm old school. I don't like when they trick up the game. I don't want a runner on second base. My old partner felt that way. I mean, the one across the glass from me <laughs> right now, he's 40, and he didn't want to see this. Um, I'm a traditionalist. Yeah, I'm the same way, but I, you know what? I like it, Matt. I do. What of the other rules might stick around? Almost all of them. I, I tell you, I, I was skeptical of, of a good number of them, and I've liked almost everything. Um, I, I didn't think that we needed to put in a minimum of three batters, but it's actually mm-hmm. increased yeah. the strategy. Like, if I'm going to bring in this guy, what if he has to – let's say it's a situational lefty, and in two batters there's Mike Trout. Well, man, if he doesn't get the third out before Mike Trout, I'm stuck with a lefty against Trout, and maybe the base is loaded. So you have to think ahead about stuff like that. I've liked that, and I and I did hate like one better new reliever, one better new reliever. That did that did get really annoying. So I've liked that. Uh, the runner on second and extras. Uh, people always accuse me. This is my job, and I didn't want to stay up all all hours of the night. Guilty as charged. There's been so many games in the West Coast where I had to stay up till three in the morning because they went to 17 innings. Uh, <laughs> 
But I, I tell you, I, I've liked having that runner on second and extra innings and maybe moving forward. We did it a lot to save pitching this year because it was such a condensed schedule. Maybe moving forward you say you don't do that until the 12th or the 13th. Maybe that's a compromise there. But I do like that it, it tends to get games over with more quickly. And the DH and the NL, I've said for years we, that we were going to head down that path anyway. Right. I, it, for me, both leagues need to play with the same rules because the World Series, uh, it, it, both teams should be playing with their at full strength the entire series, not just whenever they're at home. So uh, I thought they needed to even that up, and I knew there was no way that the AL was or the Players Association was ever going to agree to taking away the DH. So I knew we needed to add it to the NL. This weekend, my team, the Twins, takes on your team, the Cubs. It will also get Sunday night right. baseball. First time in a decade for Minnesota. Can you envision either of these teams making a World Series run? They're both good teams, but Absolutely. maybe not quite at that level. Get, fill us in on both sides. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, both teams are flawed, and, and we've seen the, the extreme good and bad streaks. They're, they're both in, really, in pretty good streaks right now. Both of them, when they were in what the teens and wins and losses, were in a complete funk and looked just bad. Mm-hmm. But then they both kind of woke up. Um, you just have to be hot at the right time, as we've seen with the Nationals last year in particular. And this season's even more funky than ever. Uh, you know, you might see the Dodgers. I don't think that's going to happen. But you could see the Dodgers losing a three-game series in the first round. Then yeah. who knows? Uh, look, the Dodgers are the obvious best team. In the American League, you could see somebody like the Yankees becoming a powerhouse, as it looks like they might be right now. But funky stuff can happen in the playoffs. Like we said, the, the, Nationals, uh, the Nationals knocked off the Dodgers last year in five. The Dodgers were the better team. Everybody knows that. The Astros were a better team than the Nationals, and the Nationals won that game, won that series in seven when everybody won on the road. So anything can happen in the postseason. And uh, the Cubs and the Twins are two of the better, what, five or six teams in baseball. So, of course, they could end up in the World Series. I want to see the Padres and the White Sox. How do you think that uh, that World Series would go over, television-wise? fun. Off the charts, fun. Yeah. Um, gosh, national ratings wise, I don't think it would do very right, well. Right, uh, but who cares? I'm with I mean, you. From a baseball, from a baseball fan standpoint, that would be unbelievable. Potters have never won the World Series. White Sox have won in anybody's lifetimes in uh, 2005. Five, yep, five, five. Um, but if so many people forget that. Like even when the when the yes. Cubs won the World Series, Sports Center did like a Chicago championships graphic and it didn't even have the white Sox on there <laughs> and like only white Sox fans noticed so uh and, and they're both just really young and fun teams that embrace let the kids play there'd be so many home runs there'd be so much swagger i don't think either team gets mad when the other team watches a home run so it would be a lot of like happy-go-lucky fun uh there's guys like luis robert and fernando tatis jr who can tear it up on the base paths on defense uh again so much power Gosh, it would be fun. It would be so fun. So, how are the Marlins doing this? Just looking mm. at their number. I mean, I normally, over the course of baseball season, get to know pretty much every team at least a little bit. But because we have Central versus Central, East and West have been pretty much out for me. Looking at the numbers, they're 19th in runs in Major League Baseball, 24th in slugging percentage, 24th yeah. in OPS, 18th in ERA. Their whip is 27. Just on and on and on. There's nothing in their numbers that say they should be over 500. Yet they're over 500. How? Well, first of all, this would have taken care of itself over 162. Right. I think we would all be. I mean, remember, mm-hmm. we say the numbers still are blue in the face. The Nationals were 19 and 31 last year through 50 games. They would not have made the playoffs through 60, but they had enough time to get things worked out. Uh, I look at the Marlins. One thing they've done, they've taken care of business against the Phillies, 7 and 3 against the Phillies, and that's one of their main competitors for second place. 
Uh, they took care of business against the Orioles, who have a bad roster, 4-0. Not everybody else did that. The Orioles have beaten up on a good number of the NLE teams, but the Marlins went 4-0 against the Orioles. So uh, another thing to consider, 7-1 and start. They're below 500 since then. But that 7-1 and start, especially in a 60-game season, that buys you a lot of leeway moving forward. And I even thought back to uh, the first year the Astros broke out, 2015. I believe they went 85-77. and 77. They started 17-7. and seven. So they were below 500 the rest of the year after they went 17-7. and seven. If you get yourself off to such a good start, you don't have to do that much except tread water the rest of the year. You just have to avoid a huge backslide, which they've had. The Marlins have had a five-game losing streak and a four-game losing streak, but they avoided like nine out of ten so far. Um, I, I think they're probably going to hang in there, but let's also look at the last seven games at Atlanta for four, at Yankees for three. Mm-hmm. If those two teams are still playing their best, the Marlins might end up falling out of it. Uh, is Mattingly the manager of the year in the National League? And then I guess in the American League, that's a little – I mean, Charlie Montoya's got to get some love. I mean, that team didn't have a home when the season started after <laughs> yeah. all. Um, I, most seasons I think Mattingly would be a slam dunk, but I think it's got to be Jace Tingler of the Padres. Okay. It's first yeah. year – as, as much as what they went 72 last year, as much as they've taken a step forward, like earlier this week, they were only a game and a half behind the Dodgers and had two left against the Dodgers. Like, for this team to take that kind of leap, I think it has to be Tingler, even though I'm still mad at him for not getting Tatis' back on the Grand Slam fiasco. I agree. Um, yep. In the American League, I think it's Rick Renteria yeah. after as much of a turnaround as the White Sox have had. But I think in Montoya, it has to be probably second there. Um, those are the, the main candidates. Like, you look at, like, in the National League, Ross was a first-year manager, the Cubs are first, but they still had a really good roster, and you've got Mattingly and Tingler in the way. So I, I think it's probably Tingler and Renteria with Montoya and uh, Mattingly just right in the rear view. Going to be a fun final few days. Uh, Matt, we appreciate it as always. We'll continue to read you, cbssports.com. Uh, thanks for what you do for us. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Appreciate it, Matt. All right, have a good one. Yeah, thanks. Good to talk to you. A little baseball conversation on a busy day football-wise. Dennis Dodd, if you're sports, into sports gambling, and our friend Kenny yes, White yes. is quoted in the piece, apparently some of the, either the Sharps mm-hmm. or the books, according to Dennis Dodd, are paying big, big money for COVID info. Oh. Remember, my, my take back uh-huh. during the shutdown is that they're not going to offer college football on the board. Wrong. And I was. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it was fun. <laughs> um, but I understand this trend. Yes. They, they, they used Arkansas State. Arkansas State was without twenty guys. The nine was the number was nine. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, when the word started to get before the word started to get out that they were going to take on K State without twenty players, mm-hmm. the number went from nine to fourteen. That's a huge jump. And if there's info, and then they won the game outright, and then they won the game outright. <laughs> but if there's information about a COVID. That because you know how coaches are. Oh yes, they're going to keep that buttoned up under the vest. And Shh, don't tell anybody. No injury report, Nothing. no participation report. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. We've seen Lincoln Riley down at Oklahoma say he's not going to tell the media anything, and he's and he's not alone. And if these if these uh, schools coaches are going to keep this uh, information under wraps, uh, and they're going to take bets on these games, mm-hmm. the bookmakers want to know. What is going on? Who do you think, because we've, we've had this conversation for a long time, that the guys in the desert know teams better than people inside the program knows mm-hmm. the, know these teams. Where do they get this information? Is it... Sources. Is it 
an equipment manager here. Some it's it's um, an assistant coach there. Is it that type where they're just that plugged in and they know not in every program, but a lot of programs they have those kind of connections. And they see and what true there, there's that, but then they see the line movement. And, and, and this, they know somebody knows something. They know some, some, well, like yeah. Arkansas State, why is this number, why can't they, is everybody all of a sudden pounding K-State? You know, of all the games that are on the board, nine, mm-hmm. the game's going from 9.5, and, and now we got to put it 10.5. Oh, there's another few bets now. It's 11.5. We're still taking money. What's going on? Yeah. Um, anyways, well, what's going on with us? Glad you asked. We're going to give you an opportunity to win some Claxton's Barbecue. 284-5966. The first four callers right now. 284-5966. We're going to give you four NFL games and a tiebreaker. Tiebreaker is going to be LeBron James' total points tonight. 4-0-1 at last week. We had a we had a perfect. We had a perfect. Yeah, yeah. Tory went undefeated, but second place, there was a tie at 1-3. and three. You never know how the week's going to go, but Tory was uh, undefeated 4-0 last week, and we'll see who can try to do that again this week. Well, if you're getting a ring right now, that means you're in. The four lines are all lit up. If you're getting a busy signal, you'll have to wait till next week, or stand by because Commissioner Condon's been known to catch some guys trying to win twice in 30 days, and he kicks them out. He's tough. That's right. Plays by the rules. Uh, Claxton's Barbecue next, 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. It's 1460 KXNO and one For details. All right, welcome back. Time to give four of our listeners an opportunity to win... Some Claxton's barbecue. Either Steve, Kevin, Colin, or Dustin will scoop the first prize. That's thirty-five dollars worth of Claxton's barbecue. The runner-up will get twenty-five dollars. Claxton's barbecue. ClaxonBBQ.com. You'll find them in Altoona, thirty-one thirty-one Eighth Street Southwest in Altoona. Andy and the staff over there in business for over twenty years, approaching twenty-five years. Claxton Barbecue in Altoona. All right, Steve, Kevin, Colin, and Dustin. In that order, we're going to give you four NFL games and a tiebreaker, and away we go. Hello, Steve. How are you? Really good, guys. How are you? Doing fine, thank you. Uh, The Chiefs are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite on the road to take on the Chargers. Uh, The Chiefs. Green Bay gives six-and-a-half to the Lions. Green Bay. Indianapolis is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite as they'll host the Vikings. For the Vikes. And Chicago, a a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the G-Men. Giants. Giants for you. Here's the tiebreaker, Steve. LeBron James points tonight versus Denver. Just points closest without going over. 27. Steve, have a good weekend. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Kevin is uh, with Miller and Condon. Hello, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Good. Chiefs, eight and a half point favorite over the Chargers. Chargers. Packers, six and a half over the Lions. Packers. Colts give three and a half to Minnesota. Vikings. Bears, a five and a half point favorite over the Giants. Bears. Tiebreaker, closest without going over. LeBron James points tonight versus Denver. 29. Kevin, have a good weekend. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, Colin is next. Hi, Colin. Yes, sir. Uh, Chiefs, eight and a half over the Chargers. 
Chargers. Green Bay, six and a half over the Lions. Green Bay. Colts, three and a half to the Vikes. Vikings. Bears, five and a half to the Giants. Good Giants. Total points tonight, LeBron, closest without going over. 17. Thanks, Colin. Thank you. And Dustin brings Claxons to a close for another weekend. Hi, Dustin. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, Chiefs, eight and a half over the uh, Chargers. Chiefs. Green Bay gives six and a half to Detroit. I think the Lions are going to be upset. Lions. Lions for you, okay. Uh, Indianapolis, three and a half over Minnesota. Uh, We'll do Colts. Colts for you. Bears, five and a half to the Giants. Uh, Giants. And LeBron's points tonight closest without going over. We'll do 33. Thanks, Dustin. Have a good weekend. Thanks. Appreciate it. And appreciate Claxons for allowing us to do that each and every week. Claxon Barbecue, 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. NCMIC Nick Mick asked us to promote the local farmer's markets in the area. Tonight there's one going on in Norwalk, 701 Main Street in Norwalk. Tomorrow, Indianola from 8 until noon. They're at the Warren County Fairgrounds. Global Greens, you heard that commercial earlier. Global Greens over in the Drake area, 3200 University Avenue. What else we got? This weekend, Ankeny, Ankeny yeah, yeah, Uptown Ankeny tonight. Or not tonight, beg your pardon. Tomorrow, uh, from nine until noon. So there's some local farmers market action as the days dwindle as far as those uh, uh, possibilities being there for the community of Central Iowa. All right, Trent Condon, you won last week. You were four and one. Yes, off to a terrific start. I sucked one, three and one. Yeah. So you get the tee box. It is your honor, sir. We will take it away to. College 2 Pro in the best bet of the week. And we're going to start fading a team that I was on last week. I gave you the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. We're jumping back the other way. Central Florida comes in. First game of the year. Still a lot of limitations offensively for Georgia Tech. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Central Florida. Lay the 7.5 with confidence in pick number 1. Game number 2, we saw the Raging Cajuns make their way up to Ames and pull off a 17-point outright victory as 11.5-point dogs. Here, they're the big favorite on the road at Georgia State, a Georgia State team that has played them tough throughout the years. 16 returning starters for Georgia State, though they are looking to replace their quarterback. Raging Cajuns playing as a ranked team for the first time. Get this. Since 1943, Hmm. it was World War II. Grab the points. Take Georgia State. You get 16 and a half. I think you might get back to 17, 17 and a half by the time kickoff comes around. From the college game, let's jump over to the pros, and we're going to start in this one. I love this matchup here. The Rams making their way after Sunday night football to the East Coast. Now, it is overstated against the spread just how much of an impact it is for those teams on that side of the uh, of the continent making their way over. 26-19 and 19 over the last five years against the spread. Teams from the West going East. Philadelphia is a wounded animal. The offensive line was dreadful in the second half. They come up with the big effort. They win this game. Lay the point with the Eagles, fading what you saw in week number one to week two in pick number three. For pick four, Houston's had a lot of time to prepare for Baltimore. It wasn't a great performance defensively. There's going to be points scored in this game. I think Houston's going to score enough to keep up. Grab the 7.5 at home with the Texans against Baltimore with pick number four. And we finish up, I told you, when we were talking with Bama Bob earlier this hour, this was my favorite play of the week. Miami 
The U is back. We're hearing the conversations. They can now run the ball. Sneaky little secret here. Mm. Jared King wasn't a real good throwing the football. You're going to have to do that to beat this Louisville team that is still going to score points. Under a field goal, something's fishy here. I'm grabbing Louisville. I'm going to lay that two and a half against the U. I'm not buying the Miami hype at this point. My best bet of the week, Louisville minus two and a half. We're grabbing the Texans plus seven and a half. Laying a point with Philadelphia. Georgia State plus 16 and a half. And the Golden Knights of Central Florida minus seven and a half. Take it away, Ken. All right, Trent. Trying to put a couple in the wind column. Claw a little bit closer to you off a one and three week. Let's start things in Indianapolis. The Colts. One of these teams is going to start 0-2. Vikings they fell to Green Bay, Indianapolis. Come on, Jacksonville, please. Uh, I'm going to take the Vikings in the points in this one. I've got it at three, Trent. You could check on that. I know we, I added a hook for the Claxons number just because we don't like ties and Claxons. Vikings getting three from Indianapolis. I will take the Vikings pick number one. Went back and forth with this game as to who my best bet is going to be, but I decided on another one. But I love this big game just as much. I think Seattle's going to beat New England and do so handily. Russell Wilson is a fantastic quarterback. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, Cam Newton, he was okay. He ran the ball. Uh, This uh, Seahawks team, I think they're going to be a huge pain in the you-know-what. I'll take the Seahawks. Lay the four. I love that game. Had four and a half stars on that one. Uh, Next pick is the Steelers. Going up against Ben Roethlisberger and those receivers going up against a banged-up Denver secondary already. We know Von Miller's not going to be there. I hope they don't hurt Drew Locke. I really do. I mean, this defense for Pittsburgh on Monday night against the Giants, wow. That was eye-opening. I'll take Pittsburgh. I'll lay the touchdown against my Broncos. And then the final pick. Look, I know that the Chargers play the Chiefs tough. They seemingly always do. I think that works in Kansas City's favor. As the defending Super Bowl champs, they're looking for motivation week in and week out. I think the fact that the Chargers have not beaten them, but have made these games closer than they think that they should be, I'll lay the eight and a half and take the Chiefs, as I think that they're going to uh, assert their will against the Chargers. My best bet is a team that I think is a... um, a real factor in the NFC, and they're the only team in the NFC West that doesn't have a win. San Francisco making that coast-to-coast trip Trent was referring to earlier. They take on the hapless New York Jets. I only have to give seven. Kittle's questionable, but there's more weapons at Garoppolo's disposal uh, than just the people's tight end. I'll take San Francisco, my best bet, lay the seven. Pittsburgh also laying seven. Chiefs minus eight and a half. I love Seattle, minus four. My one dog this week are the Vikings over the Colts. Well, you shouldn't have a dog tonight. Valley Southeast Polk, all that D1 talent on display. Um, How's this game going to go? I'm really interested to see two weeks ago, Valley took the loss to Dowling. Offensive line just played dreadfully. Just could not do anything to protect Rubley and, and open any running lanes for Williams and company. They didn't play a game last week. Can you imagine being in those practices with Coach Wetson and company over the last two weeks without a game on Friday night? Who were night? they supposed to play? Do you remember? Uh, I'm not sure who it was. It was a city school, I think. Was maybe it? Roosevelt, maybe? Uh, they played Roosevelt week one, so, so it wouldn't so have been So much then. for that. Yeah, and I don't, could have been an Iowa City school. I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. Regardless, but didn't have a game. I think you're going to see a very motivated Valley team here. Southeast Polk, newly minted number one. Heights we haven't seen for them in a long time. When's the last time Southeast Polk was yeah. ranked number one? Probably have to go back to Starcevich, maybe Orton mm. era, when they got up to that spot. But regardless, 
to see that young talent. I saw them a couple of times a year ago. Excited to see the development of that junior class with Daly, the quarterback, of course, Xavier Nwankpa, who is just incredible. And I've heard Piling people continue to say, yeah, he's projected to be a safety at the next level, but looking at him as a running back, which he plays also on the offensive side here. Going to be a fun one tonight. You can catch it 7 o'clock on CISN. Watch the video or the replay tonight here after football Friday night at 11. Joe Stacy, Joff Lawful Holson Company. They start at 6.30. The uh, scores will start coming in at 7. Murph and Andy, they'll be coming in at 2. Then the Fanatics at 4. Saturday morning pregame with Sean Roberts and Emery Stonger tomorrow at 8 a.m. Monday morning rush at 6. We're Miller and Condon, 10 to noon, 1460, 106.3.